0: When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated and time-consuming fast. Now you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, Vanta. Vanta's leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews. Watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot slash cyber. German officials take down a dark web market. Google patches a zero-day. Terrapin attack targets SSL. A look at payment fraud. Agent Tesla is spreading through an old vulnerability. An iPhone thief explains his techniques. Ukrainian reprisals for Russia's Kiev Star attack. Israeli officials warn of data wipers. Rick Howard speaks with Scott Roberts of Interpress about driving intelligence with MITRE ATT&CK and leveraging limited resources to build an evolving threat repository. And go ahead and click that like button. Just don't expect to get paid. It's Thursday, December 21st, 2023. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is your CyberWire Intel Briefing. Germany's Federal Criminal Police Office and Frankfurt's Internet Crime Unit, in collaboration with international authorities, have seized Kingdom Market, a notorious dark web marketplace known for drugs, cybercrime tools, and fake IDs. Operational since March 2021 and facilitating transactions in cryptocurrencies, Kingdom Market catered to an extensive international user base with over 42,000 items, including a significant portion from Germany. The operation led to the arrest of an administrator in the U.S., and ongoing efforts to identify further operators through server analysis. The seizure has caused a stir among its users and other darknet communities, with reports of significant financial losses and arrests related to the platform's infrastructure. In the wake of the marketplace's closure, other dark web platforms have quickly moved to recruit dislocated users showcasing the dynamic and competitive nature of illegal online marketplaces. Google issued emergency updates for Chrome to fix a zero-day vulnerability, a heap buffer overflow in WebRTC discovered by its threat analysis group. Google is restricting details on the exploit, which is already active in the wild, to protect users until most are updated. The vulnerability marks the eighth Chrome issue Google has addressed this year. Nearly 30 years after the invention of the Secure Shell protocol, a new vulnerability known as Terrapin has emerged. This attack targets SSH connections by exploiting specific encryption modes, and it operates through a man-in-the-middle position, allowing attackers to intercept and alter communications during the SSH handshake. Terrapin's prefix truncation technique can disrupt the secure data stream, posing a significant threat as research indicates that a large portion of Internet-exposed SSH servers support these vulnerable encryption modes. This development challenges the long-standing security assumptions of SSH, a protocol crucial to the security infrastructure of countless organizations. Recorded Futures Insect Group released its 2023 annual Payment Fraud Intelligence Report. The study highlighted the persistent use of e-skimmer infections by mage card actors through platforms like Google Tag Manager and Telegram Messenger. It also noted a rise in targeting restaurants, bars, and online ordering platforms for payment card data breaches, with phishing and scam pages becoming more common for card compromise. The report predicts that in 2024, fraudsters will further refine their techniques, merging advanced technology, intricate workflows, and social engineering to evade rule-based fraud detection systems. Zscaler identified that cybercriminals are exploiting an old Microsoft Office vulnerability to spread the agent Tesla keylogger. They send phishing emails with malicious documents, often disguised as invoices or orders, to trick users into downloading attachments. If the user's Microsoft Excel is vulnerable, the opened file silently communicates with a malicious server and downloads further harmful files, requiring no additional action from the user. This exploit emphasizes the need for vigilance against seemingly legitimate emails and the importance of updating software to patch known vulnerabilities. The Wall Street Journal's Joanna Stern published a video interview with convicted iPhone thief Aaron Johnson, in which he outlines his journey from homeless pickpocket to being a member of a gang of thieves using social engineering to target unsuspecting victims. Johnson and his associates would befriend their marks at a local bar, casually convince them to reveal their iPhone passcode, then steal the device and drain the victim's bank accounts and credit
1: cards. You've got the phone. You've got the passcode. What do you do next? It's kind of like a, like a bank robbery. you got to be quick. you got to go to the settings and go to the iCloud, click reset password, and put the six-digit code in and make my own password. And then I turn on find my iPhone. And then that completely locks them off the phone. This was the bit that was so crazy to me when I first started reporting on this crime. With just the passcode to an iPhone, a thief can change someone's Apple ID password and do a host of other things to your account and phone.
0: Johnson was eventually caught and is currently serving time in a Minnesota correctional facility. The Ukrainian hacking group Blackjack, allegedly aided by Ukraine's security service, retaliated against the recent cyber attack on Ukrainian telecommunications company Kyivstar by targeting Russia's largest private water supplier, Rosvodokanal, disrupting its IT infrastructure and affecting 7 million consumers. The hackers allegedly encrypted over 6,000 computers and deleted 50 terabytes of data, with SSU analyzing 1.5 terabytes of the retrieved information. Additionally, the Blackjack Group reportedly infiltrated the Russian Ministry of Labor's website and extracted data. In a related development, the IT Army of Ukraine claimed an attack on bitrix 24s servers, heavily used by Russian companies, causing widespread customer issues. The Israel National Cyber Directorate issued a warning about phishing emails masquerading as F5 Big IP security updates, which instead deploy data wipers targeting Windows and Linux systems. The attacks, attributed to pro-Palestinian hacktivist group Handala, are part of a broader trend of cyber aggression against Israel, including destructive data wiping assaults. The phishing campaign deceives users into downloading malicious executables or scripts, presenting as legitimate updates but ultimately wiping system data. Users are advised to only download files from trusted sources and directly from hardware vendors to avoid these sorts of threats. Coming up after the break, Rick Howard speaks with Scott Roberts of Interpress about driving intelligence with MITRE ATT&CK and leveraging limited resources to build an evolving threat repository. Stay with us. With Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunkcom resilience.
1: Back in October, the MITRE Corporation hosted the AttackCon 4.0 conference at their company headquarters in McLean, Virginia. Since MITRE ATT&CK is all about organizing cyber threat intelligence, or CTI, I got to attend. I bumped into one of the thought leaders in the space, Scott Roberts. He's currently the head of threat research at Interpress Security, but he's been kicking around the CTI space for a while. He's worked at Apple, GitHub, and Splunk. He teaches CTI at SANS in their 578 course and at Utah State University, where he's also getting his master's degree in anticipatory intelligence. And he's just published the second edition of his book, Intelligence Driven Incident Response, Outwitting the Adversary, with his co author, Rebecca Brown. Scott and I got to talking about the relative newness of CTI to the InfoSec community. I mean, it's only been 10 years since Mandiant released their famous APT 1 report that crystallized the idea that if you're trying to defend against a cyber adversary, then you need cyber threat intelligence. And I think people forget that cyber threat intelligence has not really been a thing for that long. Is it fair to say they really kicked off in the commercial sector after the APT1 report happened? I mean, people were doing it, but it it wasn't common, I guess is the word.
2: I don't know that. Yeah, I don't think it had a name necessarily before that. I mean, that was certainly an incredibly formative thing where I, I think it had been a quiet aspect going on where you know, certain companies would have a, a small cell that was working on it or, you know, there were chat rooms with, you know, a couple different people who had all bounced around it. But I do think APT1 was um, definitely a watershed event in making it a thing that. For the masses. Yeah, it, w- it went from something that if you were a government contractor or, or maybe a couple of the financials you would do to something that, you know, now we see in almost every Fortune 500 in
1: some to some extent. I'm an old army guy and we, you know, we were doing it in the early 2000s. We didn't know what it was, okay, but we were doing it. The APT1 report came out and so everybody said, oh, maybe we should be doing that. And then vendors started having their own threat intelligence teams as a marketing arm, as a way to show that their product could collect telemetry and do stuff to adversaries, right? So, So there's lots of different aspects to it in the world. Your current work is you're running the intel team, or they work for you, or you're just invite. Well, how does that work? I run the intel team at at yeah. So we're still
2: small. We're scrappy. Yeah. Um, that's part of what I'm going to be talking about today, and in, in my my talk for AttackCon is, you know, how do you build that kind of scrappy team that can you know get a lot with without having a whole lot you know backing you. It it is you know threat intelligence is definitely a kind of have or have not t- type of role. You know, on one hand, you see some of these Fortune 10s that'll have, you know, a hundred people, massive teams, teams where they're hiring all these, you know, ex-intelligence agency folks and things like that. And they have, you know, the backings of, you know, massive tools that are, you know, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, And then on the other hand, you have, you know, companies who are still facing the same threats, still dealing with the same problems, but might only have a handful of people and might not have budget for, Uh, some of those
1: higher-end tools? Or none. We're a startup. We we were talking yesterday. There's two guys in the IT department. We have no Intel team. So how do we use intelligence as gleaned from everybody else into our own systems? It's tough to do that. How would you suggest startups to medium-sized companies approach that problem?
2: Well, I mean... That is one of the problems we're trying to solve at Interpris. So, um, So buy your product. B- buy, buy our product. I mean, I, I think we're, I think we're done here. Thank you very much for coming in. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's definitely something where, uh, there's a variety of solutions and, you know, certainly buying one is a thing. It, it's, it's going to be just a question of how you want to deploy your resources, um, I have also seen some very small teams that that only have you know a couple people who've been able to do a lot because I, I think it's a question of you know can you get the right access to data internal data as well as you know external data and, and I I do think it doesn't all have to be commercial I think there's there's a lot of ability to use open source resources to to get that um, but then how do you apply it do you do you have the right mindset do you have the right Uh, understanding of what the data is and where you can apply it most effectively. Because, you know, ultimately speaking, at least from from my perspective, there's there's three things threat intelligence really does. It's a a precursor for detection engineering, Mm -hmm. it's situational awareness, or to the point you've already brought up, it's marketing. Well, if you're not a security vendor, you don't really care about the marketing aspect of it. So, you know, I really think for most organizations, it's understanding, okay, what's most helpful? Is it, getting your leadership to understand the state of the world. Well, you know, if if you're concerned about moving into a new country or, you know, entering a new business and what's that going to change to your threat profile, situational awareness is probably the most important thing. If you're, you know, more tactically focused, maybe it is using open source data to drive new detections. And, you know, again, that's, I think, part of what MITRE ATT&CK is about is how do you make that translation between intelligence
1: to detection? That was Scott Roberts, the Head of Threat Research at Interpress Security. You'll be able to hear my full interview with Scott in my CSO Perspectives podcast in 2024. And if you're interested, I discuss CTI in detail in my book, Cybersecurity First Principles, a reboot of strategy and tactics, available at Amazon as a hard copy, a digital Kindle version, and as an audio book.
0: And finally, researchers at Bitdefender have exposed a scam where individuals are offered money to like YouTube videos. The scheme begins with a message luring users with payment for engaging with YouTube content. Participants are asked to provide personal details and prove their work by liking videos and posting screen grabs on a Telegram channel. Initially, a small payment is made to the victim to build trust. The scam escalates as victims are encouraged to join a VIP group for a fee, promising higher earnings. Once paid, the scammers cut communication and block the victim. These deceptive practices are also promoted through Facebook groups under the guise of remote work opportunities. Bitdefender's investigation reveals that this isn't a new tactic, but the small initial payment is a novel twist to engender trust. Users are cautioned against such too-good-to-be-true offers and advised to secure their accounts, report scams, and educate others about these fraudulent practices. Turns out, liking YouTube videos can lead to an unlikable bank balance and can be a real thumbs-down for your wallet. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. CyberWire listeners, as we near the end of the year, it's the perfect time to reflect on your company's achievements and set new goals to boost your brand across the industry next year. We'd love to help you achieve those goals. We've got some unique end-of-year opportunities complete with special incentives to launch 2024. So tell your marketing team to reach out. Send us a message at sales at thecyberwire.com or visit our website so we can connect about building a program to meet your goals. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Pittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.